In this episode of the Spot On Podcast, we're exploring all there is to know about non-melanoma skin cancer. We're going to find out what exactly it is and discover the different treatment options that exist. And who better to do that with than clinical dermatologist, Associate Professor Chris Baker. My name is Associate Professor Chris Baker. I'm a clinical dermatologist. I work at St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne, where I'm the director of the Department of Dermatology. I also have an academic position with the University of Melbourne through the Department of Medicine here. I also have private practice in Melbourne. Associate Professor Chris Baker's interests are general dermatology, and he has clinical trial interests in psoriasis and the management of skin cancer and field cancerization. In episode one and two of this podcast, We've already explored the topic of melanoma. So what is non-melanoma skin cancer? Skin cancers include both melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancer. And we hear a lot about melanoma and rightfully so, because it is a severe illness and it's a very big issue for public health. But non-melanoma skin cancer in terms of numbers is exceedingly more common and is also a big issue both in terms of cost to our society, in terms of financial cost of managing skin cancers, but also impact on patients and the the loss that happens as a result of the skin cancers. There are different kinds of non-melanoma skin cancer, and the most common types are BCCs, so basal cell carcinomas, and SCCs, squamous cell carcinomas. There are some rarer types of non-melanoma skin cancer that we don't hear about that often, uh, and they include tumours such as Merkel cell carcinoma and uh, one that's a real mouthful, atypical fibrosanthoma, abbreviated to AFX, and there are some others, but they're they're only a small percentage of non-melanoma skin cancers. Non-melanoma skin cancers are a huge health issue here in Australia and are very common. Many people will be affected by non-melanoma skin cancers in their lifetime. And it's said that two out of three Australians will have a non-melanoma skin cancer before the age of 70. The majority of skin cancers in Australia are non-melanoma, so about 2% are melanoma and 98% are non-melanoma skin cancers, of which two-thirds are BCCs, basal cell carcinoma, and a third are SCC, squamous cell carcinoma. And to give you an idea of the size of the problem, It's close to a million new BCCs and SCCs every year in our country. And 95% of all skin cancers are thought to be due to ultraviolet radiation. And of course, we live in a country that's blessed with wonderful weather, plenty of sun and outdoor activities, but all that comes with a cost. And the cost is sun damage and skin cancer. And the risks for an individual of developing skin cancer relate to a number of things. So there are hereditary factors and hereditary factors are as simple as what color are your eyes? Do you have blue eyes? Uh, What type of skin do you have? How easily does your skin tan? So people who don't tan easily have very light hair color, light eye color are at increased risk of sun damage and skin cancer. Also of relevance is where you live. So the closer to the equator, the more sun you're likely to have, but we're in a country where, you know, the incidence is high and uh, we get a lot of sun really at all latitudes. Your job is important too. There are many occupations that call for people to work outside where you're at greater risk of increased sun exposure and sun damage. And 
and I think there have been developments in occupational safety. So workers being provided with hats and sunscreen and protocols about keeping sun safe and that's been a, a really positive thing in recent years. But also just in leisure time and remembering you spend a lot of your time doing leisure things so it might be walking, tennis, golf and um, sun protection is important there. And your immune system is very important in terms of repairing sun damage and fighting skin cancer too. And we know that patients who have medical conditions where their immune system is not working as it should or they're on medication that suppresses their immune system. So, for example, patients that have had a transplant are at increased risk of sun damage and skin cancer and they have to be particularly careful of sun protection. And then just as a rule, the more moles you tend to have, and particularly if you have larger blotchy moles, you also have obviously an increased risk of both melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancer. Interestingly, when it comes to identifying non-melanoma skin cancers, more often than not, it's not the clinician who will identify it first, but in fact, it's you. It never ceases to amaze me how patients will come in and they say, doctor, I don't know what it is about that spot, but I don't like it. And patients are more often right than not. I think although doctors think we're all very clever at picking up skin cancers, patients identify a large number of skin cancers. Now that's not to say every spot that you notice on your skin is going to be a cancer, but if you have a feeling about a spot or you're not sure about its history, get it checked out. So how does your doctor know if something on your skin is in fact a non-melanoma skin cancer? Quite often, looking at the lesion and looking for particular features, you can make a clinical diagnosis and we can be fairly certain of the type of skin cancer we're dealing with. But like anything, there's always a group that kind of fall between the cracks and you can't be certain without taking a biopsy. Let's say you see something on your skin that's not quite right. Is it something you need to be worried about? What are some of the things that you should be looking out for when you're thinking about potential skin cancers? Look, the warning signs of non-melanoma skin cancer may be simply it's a, a new lump or a bump that's appeared that you, you don't remember having been there. The, the signs that to watch out for would be uh, a red patch or a scaly patch that doesn't go away. So something that's been staying there over a number of weeks, perhaps getting bigger, perhaps uh, getting a bit itchy or uncomfortable. If a lesion bleeds and you can't recall knocking or bumping it, that's usually a warning sign that the spot needs to be looked at. BCCs or basal cell carcinoma may present just as a red patch or a, a little lump that looks like a, a little drop of wax on the skin. But as they grow, they can form a little ulcer or a sore that doesn't heal or a, a lump that you can feel in the skin. Squamous cell carcinomas come from a different cell type and they tend to produce a layer of dead skin that we refer to as uh, keratin or keratosis and they often feel a bit scaly so a lump in the skin that has a scaly surface may well be a squamous cell carcinoma. The skin cancers appear at different sites too so basal cell carcinomas are most frequent around the head and neck and upper body area whereas squamous cell carcinomas tend to happen at sites where you've had most uh, sun so again the face, the scalp, backs of hands, lower limbs and, and the, the torso, depending on how much sun you've had. And in terms of age groups, while it's said that BCCs occur more often at an earlier age than, say, SCCs, they can really happen in any age group. 
my experience is age is independent and if you notice something just have it checked out but certainly as a rule the older you are the more risk there is of skin cancer now that's partly an age issue but it's also probably related to how we looked after our skin over the decades so the folk that are in the 70 plus era probably didn't have a lot of sun protection in their youth whereas fortunately now there's a lot more understanding about the need for sun protection and we've got better clothing, better hats, better sunglasses, better sunscreens. When it comes to monitoring your own skin, it's very important to know your spots and your moles and be aware of any spots that you have that might need monitoring or watching. The first level of skin check is really at home and Mm. we recommend that several times a year, perhaps at the start of every season, you get your gear off, you stand in front of a mirror and have a good look at yourself. Now there'll be some areas you can't see and those who have a partner at home might use their partner to just check their back or, or their legs in areas that you can't see. But that's very important. And a lot of early skin cancers are actually picked up by the patient just doing something as simple as that. And we live in the era where everybody's got a mobile phone, iPad or, or whatever. Take photos. You can take photos and that records both the date and gives you an idea of what spots you have and where they are. And it's great to compare. And so if there's something new or something's changed, you may well see that on the photograph. The next level of skin check is the opportunistic skin check. So next time you're with a GP dealing with some other health issues. If there's time, you say, would you mind having a look at my back? Or, uh, and if the GP thinks that you might be at high risk of skin cancer, they may reschedule a specific appointment for a skin check. But that's, that's the next level. And most people, that's really the requirement they, they need to do for, for skin checks. If you've had some skin cancers removed, if you're at high risk with, say, there's a strong family history, then you might be someone who needs to go to a specialist on a, a regular basis, whether that be 12 months or six months based on uh, the type of skin you have and level of sun damage. So I think there are different levels of skin checking. And, and it really depends on your risk as to which level you need to, to tune into. When you go and have a skin check performed, you'll likely see some specific tools and equipment used by the clinician. And this is an area that's continuing to evolve. We do have some new equipment that we use, but I'd, I'd go back to basics. Nothing beats having good lighting, good exposure and time to, to take a, a careful check. Mm. But we do have uh, some instruments now. There's an instrument called the dermatoscope that allows us to look closely at lesions and to actually have a little look under the skin. It's just a very bright light with a, a gar- glass uh, lens that's applied to the skin. We are in an era where there is artificial intelligence starting to be applied to diagnosis. And I think this will be a very exciting development in the future where good imaging for computer-assisted photography and then computer-assisted diagnosis almost certainly will be part of our skin surveillance going forward. So let's say you had a spot that you noticed and it was growing and changing and you took it to your GP and your GP suspects that it's skin cancer. Quite often, the GP might just biopsy or remove it on the spot or they might refer you to a specialist. If it was pretty clear-cut what we were dealing with, it might be possible, many times it's possible, just to say, well, that needs to come off and we just remove it. If there's some doubt about what it is or what's going to be needed to remove it, we'll take a biopsy first. And that involves taking a little piece out of the lesion. So we use a a thing called a punch, a skin punch, which is 
like a leather punch really and we just take a little core of tissue or we might do a little shave biopsy and that then gives us the, the, the name of the lesion, it I suppose indicates what's going to be needed to remove it. And if a clinician did suspect something on your skin was a non-melanoma skin cancer, why wouldn't they just remove it completely rather than taking a small sample first? Well firstly, not everything that looks like a skin cancer is a skin cancer. There are some inflammatory skin problems that when you take a biopsy, you find that in fact it wasn't a cancer. So for example, psoriasis and a little patch of eczema that's been hanging around might raise the possibility of a skin cancer, but a biopsy tells you, well, it's, it's not that. Similarly, we, we might find there's a lump or a, a little scaly patch that's been, again, present for some time. But when you take a biopsy, you find it's just a keratosis or a, an irritated age spot, for example, and they might be able to be treated quite easily with freezing or a, a simple treatment. Another reason to take a biopsy first might be if it's in a difficult spot on the body. So let's say it was on the face and you really don't want to do surgery if you can at all avoid it. That would be a reason to perhaps be absolutely certain before committing the patient to a, a surgical procedure. Non-melanoma skin cancers are so common in Australia, and two out of three of us will likely get one in our lifetime, there's a good chance that one day, you might be told by a doctor that you have a skin cancer. So what happens next? Well, it, it can be very confronting to be told that you have a skin cancer and all sorts of things run through your mind. And you know, many people will know friends or family that have been affected and immediately think the worst, and that's human nature. I suppose the good news is that the majority of skin cancers can be treated quite easily and effectively and have very little impact to the, the health of the patient. Now, obviously, there are a group which are more advanced and are going to need more involved treatment, and we are obviously aware of melanoma being a more deadly form of skin cancer. But the majority of skin cancers that are picked up can be dealt with easily. Which can be reassuring, but nevertheless, it's a confronting word to hear, cancer. So if you were in that situation, it's the time then to get more information, speak with your healthcare provider about what it actually is that you've been diagnosed with, what the treatment will involve, and what the outlook is. And for most DCCs and early SCCs, it's a very positive outcome. It's a bit of a warning sign that it's time to take greater note of your skin and take more care with sun protection. In episode one and two of this podcast, we've already heard how dangerous melanoma can be if it's not treated early. The same goes for non-melanoma skin cancers. The vast majority of non-melanoma skin cancers can be dealt with quite simply and the patient can be cured. There are a small group that go on and unfortunately can result in the, in the passing of the patient. And if you've had a non-melanoma skin cancer before, you're more likely to have one again in the future. And I think if you're somebody who has had more than one non-melanoma skin cancer, it's very advisable then to get into a very regular skin check program. Because it's all about picking things up early. We want to pick these things up when they're small, easily managed, and uh, the treatment is quite straightforward. Having said that, it's possible to have, you know, one BCC or one SCC and, and that's it. But certainly, if you've had multiple lesions, your risk is much higher. BCCs represent around two-thirds of non-melanoma skin cancers. And, fortunately, BCCs 
rarely go into the body. They tend to grow locally. They just get bigger at the location. They can start to cause problems in that they can ulcerate, form a little sore that doesn't heal. They are problematic if they're in an area such as a body fold, like around the nose, around the eye, around the ear, and they can become quite infiltrative and locally inward, but they tend not to send off metastases. They don't send off seeds into the body. So why get onto them earlier? Obviously, a small lesion, which is only a few millimetres or less than a centimetre in diameter, usually they can be simply cut out and cured. But if they're neglected and left and they become a larger lesion, then you're looking at a bigger procedure to clear them. For small, simple skin cancers, a useful treatment is curette excision. A small, curved blade is used to scoop the cancer off the skin. Cautery, which is heat, is then used to seal the skin then all that's required is a simple dressing, avoiding the need for sutures, which are like stitches. The tissue can then be sent to the pathologist for confirmation, and the area heals with minimal scarring. We've talked so far quite a bit about using surgery to treat non-melanoma skin cancers. Are there any non-surgical treatments for non-melanoma skin cancers? Yes, if if a non-melanoma skin cancer such as a BCC is picked up early, it may be in what we call the superficial phase, and it's possible then to consider some treatments such as creams. There are creams, the names are probably not important, but there's one cream called Imiquimod, which has a very uh, clear and demonstrable activity in clearing superficial BCCs, and that works through activating the body's immune system. There are other non-surgical techniques like cryotherapy, so freezing the lesion. But again, it needs to be a very superficial early lesion for that to be successful. And there are other treatments such as PDT, where a cream is applied to the lesion, which sensitizes it to light, and then light is shone on the lesion and the the cells are destroyed. So there are some types of non-surgical treatments available, but only useful for particular types of non-melanoma skin cancers. We've talked there about the BCC being early. There is an early form of SCC, which is given the name Bowen's disease, not after the town, but after the doctor who named it. And Bowen's disease is sometimes also called intraepithelial squamous cell carcinoma. And and that's a situation where the cells are in the outer layer of the skin, the epidermis, haven't yet spread internally. And you can treat those lesions with cryotherapy or a cream or curettage by scraping. So not all non-melanoma skin cancers require surgical treatment and there are a select group of the very early lesions which can be treated with other measures. And this is an exciting area where there are new treatments that are non-surgical coming down the pipeline and hopefully in future years we'll have other options. Thinking about other options for treating non-melanoma skin cancers, we're in an amazing age where there's an abundance of information available online for anyone to access on the internet, which has been great in terms of accessing information, but it's also a repository for a lot of unproven and sometimes dangerous remedies as well. So it's important to be mindful and perhaps stick with reputable sources of information when it comes to seeking out treatment options for non-melanoma skin cancers. So I think there are some treatments that are promoted for non-melanoma skin cancer that are topical treatments. And if they're used on the wrong lesion, the patient can find themselves in quite a bit of trouble because it may cause some surface healing, but the lesion hasn't been adequately treated. 
And worse still, a, a patient could, without a diagnosis, inadvertently apply these creams to, say, a high-grade cancer or a melanoma, and uh, the results can be catastrophic. It sounds like having a non-melanoma skin cancer removed can be a relatively simple procedure, perhaps with your GP or dermatologist in their clinic. But what about those times when it's a more complex procedure treating non-melanoma skin cancers? More advanced skin cancers or those that are considered more high risk may need a visit to hospital as a day patient or there is a form of surgery called Mohs surgery, capital M-O-H-S, which is a form of surgery where a lesion is microscopically examined at the time of removal to make sure it's been completely removed. More advanced cancers and those that are in cosmetically Important areas may require uh, a plastic surgeon's attention and a more complicated repair to make, make it all look good afterwards. Some skin cancers can give signals under the microscope that they're at high risk of coming back or spreading. And in that situation, in addition to widely excising the skin cancer, we may use a radiation oncologist and radiotherapy can be used to treat the surrounding field or if there's concern that lymph nodes are involved. And in some patients who perhaps they're elderly, perhaps they have other health issues, the primary treatment may not be surgery, but it may be radiotherapy, which can be a very effective treatment also. The other development that has happened over the last decade or so is the understanding that we need to work together as a team. And we have clinics that are called multidisciplinary clinics. And these are clinics that are convened and they have various specialists. So might have a dermatologist, a surgeon, a radiation oncologist, a pathologist to meet to discuss the more complicated cases or cases where there's high risk and to work out a, a, a more coordinated program for, for treatment of the patient. And that's it for episode three on the Spot On podcast about non-melanoma skin cancers. Share this episode with a family member or friend if you think it'd be of value. Make sure you go back and listen to the other episodes in this foundation series about melanoma and join us for episode four next where we'll explore everything about clinical trials and skin cancer remember all of the content discussed on this podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as medical advice make sure you speak with a medical professional for advice relating to your own personal situation this podcast is brought to you by the melanoma and skin cancer advocacy network mscan who are providing a new, innovative approach to tackle Australia's national cancer. MScan engages with Australia's leading clinicians, researchers and advocates with the aim of increasing the knowledge of those affected by a diagnosis. For more information about MScan and the advocacy work going on to help Australians get skin serious, visit mscan.org.au.